Here's what's making news, plus the latest music out of the independent music scene with the Music Weekly.
is the Music Weekly. Why, hello everyone. My name is Jackson and this is the Music Weekly live in Sydney at the Energy Group Studios and live on iHeartRadio. Today we have a very special show. We have an interview with the one, the only Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets and this is his third appearance on the Music Weekly and I continue to make it more over time because Jack is so fun to talk to. Anyways, besides that, we are going to play a few songs that got released today because there's quite a few of them, which is a bit of a surprise. Firstly, we're going to go on to a new ballpark music track that got released last week off their self-titled album, and I'm really, really enjoying this album. This song is my favorite off the album so far. I love the energy to it. I love the middle section where it just changes as like a little post-chorus bridge type thing. We're going to go into it now. This is Ballpark Music with Bedroom. You're on the Music Weekly. The moon came in my bedroom. The birds came in my bedroom. You came in my bedroom. Uh-huh. Three, four. Blessing the world 
This is the Music Weekly. That was Ballpark Music with Bedroom, one of my favorites off the self-titled album released last week. We're going to go into a few new tracks right now that got released today. Firstly, we're going to go into brand new DZ Death Rays. Uh, they're following up Positive Rising Part 1, which was released last year with uh, Positive Rising Part 2. I'm very intrigued. I haven't really followed Dizzy Death Rays since uh, Bloody Lovely, the album before Positive Rising, because there was a few good songs off that. But I've been a heavy fan of their first two albums, and I always will love their first two albums. And then we're going to go into another Avalanches single, because the Avalanches can't stop releasing music. Which is great, because it's not taken them 14 to 16 years to make. And I'm very excited, it sounds so good and it features Leon Bridges. And if you remember me saying a while ago when I was talking about Krungbin, is that they did an album with Leon Bridges and it sounded so good. Leon Bridges works well with a lot of artists and even just his own music in general. We're gonna go on to DZ Death Race now, then into the Avalanches. This is called Fired Up, you're on the Music Weekly. Someone is pissing 
Music Weekly. That was Interstellar Love featuring Leon Bridges by The Avalanches, and before that was DZ Death Rays with Fired Up. I really love this, just the sounds from that Avalanches single. They are really creating like a really humbling sound, and it's nothing we've really heard from the Avalanches, even though we've only had two albums, but it just still sounds like them without them trying to do Since I Left You or Wildflare again. But anyways, we're gonna go into the we're gonna go into a song now, actually, by Turnover, which is called Humming, and we're gonna go straight into the interview with Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets right after that. You're on the Music Weekly.
This is the Music Weekly. You're on the Music Weekly live on Energy Groove and iHeartRadio. My name is Jackson. I have a very special guest on the show today. This artist has made the most appearances on my show and hopefully will make more over time. Last time I've talked to him, I gave him a big introduction and I'll do it again. This band is one of Australia's best psych rock bands, both in studio and live in concert. After countless times of seeing them live, I've always seen this band play. We have Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets here. How's it going, Jack? I'm good, Jackson. Thank you very much for having me on, man. It's all good. Uh, Jack, it's been a while since we last uh, talked and saw each other. Last time we had a chat, well, it was early in last year, but we saw each other at Splendor on the Grass on the last day. Uh, what have you been uh, up to since then? Um, man, Splendor seems so long ago. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, since then, well, we just did our first tour uh, back in Perth, which is pretty nice to get back playing on the road again. Uh, we did um, Bunbury and Margaret River, hit those like regional towns, and then two shows in Perth, uh, which felt like playing our first ever show again. It was so strange. Like, I'd sort of forgotten the feeling of like those nerves before the, the gig, which I never thought I'd get like ever again. And it just literally hit me again. Like, we all took it really seriously, which is kind of nice. Which I think we should probably do for all gigs, but yeah, it was good. We actually played like a solid, solid set for once, so it went down well. Were they all um, standing shows or were they seated? Yeah, like uh, so. Perth, we've got half capacity rooms, so we played to uh, like three hundred people each night. So in like obviously like six hundred cap venues, so they were half full. Um, and I think they were talking about um, going back to normal on October twenty fourth, but I think that's been postponed again till March sometimes so yeah it's all, all standing it's actually a lot better to go see a band to be honest I mean the venues are probably spewing that they can't fit as many people in but for yeah. a punter it's great you, like the bar is half as full you can walk up you can get a drink you're not sort of like bumping into people trying to watch a band like it's actually you got a bit of space and you can just sit there and watch and if you want to like move and dance or watch or whatever you can go in the middle but it, it feels better. I, I reckon they should just re- reduce all capacities of venues. I'll get absolutely hounded for saying that, but <laughs> it's so much better for the average person. Yeah, so um, back in August, uh, you dropped the first bit of new uh, psychedelic porn crumpets music, Mr. Prism, and only a few weeks ago, you blessed us with another one called Tally Ho. How's it feel to finally get new music out after the success of Now for the Whatchamacallit? Yeah, man, I feel like uh, it's taken, I mean a bit of time to sort of record that record or the, this one because we were away for so long last year I had all these sort of ideas lying around and then uh, whatchamacallit not that it felt rushed but I wish I'd spent a bit more time and had a bit more uh, bit, bit more time at home in the studio to sort of perfect some of the songs because it felt like it kind of was, was put out there so we could just keep touring which I feel obviously isn't my the way that I'd like to record. So when COVID sort of hit, it was almost this bit of serendipity in it that allowed us to stay at home and really fine tune this next record. So it's a yeah, it's sort of a silver lining to to the COVID that uh, we, we were able to sort of really hone in and record something that we're really happy with. So it got finished sort of in its own time rather than having a deadline, which is unheard of this sort of uh, this day and age. So that was kind of nice. So Mr. Prism and uh, Tally Ho is a part of a new, well, my main anticipated album of next year. Is it Shiger the Sunlight Mound? That's what it's called? 
<laughs> That's the one, yeah. Yeah, you said it right. And last time we uh, talked uh, for, you know, the release of Whatchamacallit, you said that there was a concept behind that album as, like, it had a sound of sort of like a fantasy sort of festival kind of thing. Uh, what would you say yeah. the concept of this album would be, if you can say? Um, I feel like it's it's kind of gone back to glitched out 70s rock, so I kind of wanted to make an old school record, like, sort of with whatchamacallit, sound, sound modern or contemporary, but I sort of ran with it a bit more and kind of put in a lot of the tour stories of... Uh, it's almost like our, our alter egos in a way. Like I suppose that this, these alcoholic sort of uh, rampagent sort of band members who uh, are kind of just on this big sort of journey and this adventure, and it kind of keeps that pace. And I wanted it to sort of flow a lot like uh, just a big bag of uppers would. So you just sort of got to like you put the record on, you hit with forty minutes of adrenaline, and then sort of come down. And that's it. It's almost like a, <laughs> a big line of coke. But that was the that was the sort of the sort of ambition for it, just to make it feel like one surge of energy and kind of float it back to the chaos of tour. And that's the if, if that is a concept, that's the kind of concept around it. But I've been working on a, a fifth. It's solid. I don't know if I can give too much around that one, but I'm definitely going more concept based now because I feel like there's so much more freedom in the actual right. Kind of taking a leaf out of Bowie's book where he kind of just Created characters. So, uh, with your, you put up pre-orders for the vinyl of this new album, uh, and one of the, you know, the pre-orders, you get a, you know, a special something with it, you know, a packet of uh, rolling papers. Any reasoning behind that one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think that was just like, what do you call it? I think our manager was like, you'll, you'll, yeah, everyone will buy rolling papers. I was like, just give that for free. And I was like, no one's gonna buy rolling papers. So, yeah. But yeah, they look pretty cool. They got the album artwork on it. I, I definitely wanted to. I've had more people hit me up about wanting the the, the rolling papers and the actual record. So maybe we should just change uh, change our branding to just do paraphernalia from now on. <laughs> yeah, soon we'll get our psychedelic porn crumpets bongs and whatnot. So back to the singles uh, I actually really liked the cover For Mr. Prism uh, Tell us about it Was it Did you seek out someone to make it Or was it Did you do it yourself No that, I think that was a guy called Mr. Babies It's either him or Neon Neon someone It's all the Instagram like collage artists Like there's so much amazing work on Instagram It's become the new sort of Behance of like design where you, rather than having a website everyone's just going through Instagram anyway so when we were looking for album artwork um, I really like the sort of collage style that we worked with Ben Giles last time and there's just like hundreds of thousands of like finished bits of artwork on there so that really stood out sort of the um, sort of way to go um, with the album direction and then as soon as we found this Sergeant Slaughter Melon guy <laughs> what a name Sergeant Slaughter Melon yeah so we found him and uh, I fell in love instantly with his like really glitched out artwork so and it sort of really um, combined with the sound of the record so it, it was uh, yeah it feels like rather than asking people to, to create artwork for the record we've just been going through Instagram we're like that we'll see if that's available and most of the time it is like 
which has been we've been really fortunate sometimes you find a piece you fall in love with them and like oh some other person's used it or that's already been paid for but then you just keep going through and having to scroll yeah i think that's the the new way which we've been working rather than i think we went on um pinterest before and tumblr and stuff like that but everything's on instagram now so when did uh, the writing process for this new album start um, so as soon as we got home, really, for last November, I think um, I started coming up with a few ideas and a few riffs, and then, uh, I mean, as you can probably well document, I got like pneumonia throughout Christmas and the New Year period of January, trying to do all those festivals. So uh, I was sort of just like at home, uh, quarantining before quarantine anyway even happened. So I was just so dead, and then. Um, so it sort of just gave me a chance to be like, all right, I'm just going to go in, like, just spend a lot of time at home in my studio here, just working out songs without lyrics and without vocal ideas. And I sort of got to this point, actually, I realized that now that because I've been writing all the music first and sort of humming the melody in my head, then I couldn't sing that melody because it was either too high or it was, like, too low for my range. So I'd be, like, screaming, like, trying to trying to reach a note and I was like man I gotta go back to the <laughs> go back to the drawboard and start playing a, start singing with the guitar again I feel like I haven't done that in years so maybe that, that that's one way I can improve for the next record but yeah I feel oh you suppose you just drop it down a couple of like semi-tones if you need to afterwards but yeah it was mostly just around the, uh, it, all, it all came together in March I think when when, when we were quarantining properly so and you had all oh, the time to sort of, time. you know, since you were in quarantine, like to actually focus on piecing all of this together. So, I mean, quarantine's sort of a little bit of a, a blessing, you know, in a way, since you get to, you know, you have just more free time to do things. Yeah, I know. You sound awful saying it. But <laughs> <laughs> like, it kind of did help us, I think, because you're like, I was, we had, um, obviously, at the Ocean Alley Run booked in May. So we would have gone from playing Laneway at New Year's, Fools in February, and then we, we literally got given March and April to write and mix and master a record so we could be releasing singles in May and have that released in like July time because we would have just carried We had a bunch of festivals in America and Europe booked. So um, I think it, it, it was almost like, it feels like it's a good time that I've just been putting this downtime to good use because I know as soon as everything gets back up and running again, it's going to be like a, Oh, most mental rap yeah. race ever so be every single band in the world coming out with new music like competing for the same lineup so if we get like sort of tour circuit back going again at least I can sort of catalogue two or three albums so that when when we eventually are home it's not that I have to be writing or recording even though I do love doing that I, I just at the moment feel like I've got into a really good routine of being able to write again just freely so and I haven't been able to do that in years so and rather than aiming at something, it's like I've got a couple of albums on the go, so I'm like, I'll record that, I'll put that to this album, or I'll put this to that album. So, it's, yeah, it has been a blessing in that sense. Right now, we're going to go on to a track by Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. This was the first single called Mr. Prism, and we're going to come back with the second half of the interview after this. You're on the Music Weekly. Yeah, 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 yeah
That was Mr. Prism by Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, and we're going to go back to talking to Jack about his recent singles, Mr. Prism and Tally Ho. So you recently were just talking about, uh, you know, doing the shows back in person or standing up. Did you throw both those singles into the set list, or did you throw, you know, some other ones that haven't been released yet into those sets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played uh, Tally Ho and Mr. Prism. Um, uh, we haven't really jammed a couple of the new ones. We've got, we've got another single coming out soon. Um, and that it, it's it, it's quite it takes a bit of time for us to sort of get it down live because I'll obviously record it here and then Danny will play the drums so Danny knows his parts and then it's sort of like us teaching each other the guitar parts and working out who's going to play what so it takes a bit of a time to sort of get it together rather than most bands I'd say will learn the songs themselves and then go into a studio and they're already amazing at playing it and they've been playing the song before the single's been released so I wouldn't mind doing that eventually like in in future just to see what songs work to your crowd you know what I mean like when yeah. we started playing uh, Tally Ho or whatever like we played that before it got released and that went down a treat I, I think that's never happened before it's taken us like it only it took us till about this year to get kick on sounding like relatively decent and uh and we used to put like are oh, you gonna come my way at the end of it that yeah i remember that at splendor <laughs> just because yeah because it felt so slow and people were like we're gonna pick it up somehow so we were like just whipping are oh, you gonna go my way and it sort of just boomed it back to life a bit so uh yeah there's that i think getting confident with the songs that um are sort of more pro- uh, not production based but more like recorded at home you can definitely make things sound bigger when you're recording it than you can when you're playing live yeah especially like prison that's got so many um little extra samples and vocal bits and guitar nodules or whatever you want to call them like little uh, shimmery parts that uh when it is like we're like do we launch those samples and i've never wanted to sort of be one of those bands who's just launching bits and pieces so and i think this album sort of the last of the sort of uh I'm going to call it like computer-based sort of rock. Yeah. Not like, because it's, uh, when it, it's just because I make it all on the computer. Do you know what I mean? I use guitar rig and it got all these little tricks. So maybe I've got too, too caught up with getting the, uh, sounding good here and forgetting about what it's going to sound like live. So I'm going back to sort of plugging the amp back in and recording that and making sure it's going to be perfect for rooms as well. So, yeah, it's good. I think, I think I lost that along the way a bit. But, I still think they, the songs sound good. It's just we've got to sort of get them to a point of uh, make them sound massive in a, in a room again. We'll jump on to the next questions. Um, so I have a few uh, random uh, fanboy questions for you, just to, oh, yeah. just to throw at you. <laughs> Firstly, uh, when you were writing any of the songs from High Visceral Part 1 and 2 and watch them call it, could you name any of the songs that you recorded that you were just like, this is going to be huge? You know, for example, like songs like Buzz, Cornflake, Kick On, Spills Mandolin, God and Tomato, and Him for a Joy. Did you ever have that sort of sense that uh, you're like, these songs are going to be big? Uh, not really. It's funny like that. Because I think, like, for me, when I record them, it's like, um, for, definitely for um, High Visceral, like, none of that was really aimed at an audience, I suppose. It was just us making music for ourselves because we didn't even expect to get out of Perth so we were sort of just writing because we thought that music kind of sounded good and then I think when we went on to Wajimakula that 
almost did take a bit of a kind of a scary tone. So you're like, shit, people are listening now. So you're like, what, what do we come up with? And I suppose you could hear more of those popular structures or those kind of elements of radio in some of those songs, which for me, I, li- I like enjoyed writing. And I think you can definitely hear that now. So it's like, I've never sort of thought like, all right, this is going to be a banger and we're going to like, <laughs> going to mooch it off this one song. Like, it's always been a, I, I thought, like Desi's Adventure would be a bit bigger than it is because I love that song I had so much fun writing and recording that but then I was like maybe it's too much and I was like so I just went to town I was like what's that film where it's like uh, Dewey Cox you know and he's like this is my masterpiece and he's got like a 90 piece band with like goats and stuff that was like my little Desi's Adventure where it was like sitars and strings and orchestral arrangements and then it sort of like I imagined it going into this big King Crimson sort of ending but uh, yeah like, and even the music video for that was so good like we got our friend Mike to create that little um, peacock spider who's going on this weird trip but I, I thought that song would be bigger but then you just don't know because I didn't think him for a joy to take off as much as that has done like, that's almost become sort of the lead single of the record so sometimes sometimes it's a nice uh what do you call it? Like surprise when you're like, oh, what, like that song. I thought When in Rome would be good too, but that's all down to the production of it. Mm. And I think that's what all sort of music is. It's like, because, so when I'm doing the stems, I'm like, that sounded completely different to sort of how it ended up. And I think because on in hindsight, you listen back and you're like, it was a lot more trebly, we had some heavy guitars, and then maybe we used two darker cymbals or maybe we went a bit weird with the bass tone. So it, I think, It'd be nice to work with almost a producer in future or someone I can show the songs to and sort of be like, here's the stem, how do we achieve that recording it rather than myself sort of or the band as well, we go into the studio. And sort of, because you keep listening, you almost fatigue your ears and then you try and change bits or make it different from the, the original stem that you had. So, or you just get really good at recording it first time, like, Tame and Parlor or Captain Marco or whoever, and you just use your first take. Like, that would be way easier. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I'll go study at SAE for a year and then we can have the interview again and <laughs> you can get, get that right. But yeah, no, definitely. There's a, there's a couple of tracks I feel like um, that, yeah, surprisingly took off, but I want my daddies to do well. <laughs> Actually, that was one of my favorites off the album because that was the last song, and just the rhythm to it was such a good ending. For what you call it? Yeah, you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but you were just talking about, um, you know, maybe showing music to a producer. One of my questions was, if you could choose anyone to produce the Psychedelic Paul Crumpets album, who would you call? Oh, Rick Rubin, just all day long. That guy is an absolute genius. I think his work with the way he can sort of be so diverse as well, mm. working with Chili Peppers or System of a Down or Beastie Boys or even some pop records in Kanye, for instance. But I think, like, it'd be really cool to see his take on, like, lo-fi rock. Yeah. I wonder what he'd do. Obviously, Kevin Parker would be nuts as well. He'd be a, a, a good one to work with. Maybe you can get him pick up a guitar again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, name three okay. songs by other artists that you wish you wrote, or three other songs that define Porn Crumpets. I like the three other songs that define Born Crumpets. That's a good question. I'm going to say Black Sabbath's Hole in the Sky. I reckon that riff has stuck with me for like forever. 
Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh man, that's a good one. Maybe of uh, Beatles, Day in the Life. Maybe that one probably would work. And then maybe something more recent that I've aspired to as well. Like a. Uh, I think when I first heard King Gizzard Head on Pill, that was kind of like a big moment for me when I was just like, holy shit, like people can do that. That's a song. <laughs> and the way they sort of just changed. Uh, just changed music in Australia and made mm. sort of lo-fi rock really fucking cool again. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll go, King Gears Head on Pill, Hole in the Sky, Black Sabbath, and Beatles are damn alive. Three perfect songs. Uh, also, uh, what are your thoughts on doing a live album? I think, yeah, I would love to do one because I reckon we sound bigger live than, <laughs> than we do recorded. So, and there's a lot of things we sort of change as well, like little nuances that I think uh, would suit really well to a live record. Man, I'm all for it. If we can do one, like, you'll be the first person I tell. And with um, uh, with Spotify also, because there is a slight taste of you guys playing live on Spotify, because uh, two songs from Splendor are on there, and they both sound great. So I, I think it should happen. Those, yeah, no, that, I think it's funny, though, because those were, like, sort of... Um, I suppose when they're at Splendor, but then you don't get to mix them or see what mm. they sound like. And I swear, like, oh, I could get rid of that little guitar thing at the start. But I think it's Bill's mandolin or one of the songs. I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's so bad. But yeah, that's the bad thing about a live record. If we get to mix it afterwards and sort of have a little uh, tweak on it, then yeah, I'd be keen. Uh, what makes a song psychedelic to you? So, for example... For me, it's like little sections that take it away from the song. So, uh, like the middle section in Dogs by Pink Floyd, uh, the middle section in Drama by Pond, and like Elephant by Tame Impala, how you just, you just have the song going and then next, yeah. you just have this like three, like two to three minute long section that's completely different and just not a part of the song at all. Like that's what I'm weak to yeah, for I psych think- music. Yeah, I think you've nailed it there. I think anything that sort of feels remotely different to what you have heard that can just take you in sort of direction that it is left field, like away from the mainstream and sort of like will try to open you up that I feel like most songs don't. Like I've found half of the psych music because it's so like aiming for a psych that you sort of like, it's sometimes predictable but then you go to like some other music, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know, bands like Radiohead, for instance, who are sort of not known in the psych world, but who are so ethereal. And Seagull Ross as well, like and God's Beauty mm. Black Emperor. That music is like it's unreal. Like that's fucking psych. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. So thank you, Jack, for coming onto the show again. I cannot wait for this album to come out, and so I can get you on the show again for the album release. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having a chat. It's all good. Hopefully, when uh, you know, the borders open back up, you can come into the studio and we can do an interview in person. That'd be oh, dude, great. yeah. Uh, thank you so much it. again. Really looking forward to it. I have a- all good, man. All the uh, best. Hope you have a good weekend. You too, man. Congratulations on the singles.
Station. The Music Weekly. You're back on the Music Weekly. That was Tally Ho by Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Thank you, Jack, for letting me have a talk to you today. It was a bit long, but I really do enjoy talking to Jack, and the conversation just doesn't stop. I had two pages of questions for him, <laughs> with like the second page just being all these random questions that I've always just wanted to ask, but like it didn't sound very professional in a radio situation to ask. Anyways, it's time for me to wrap up the show. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to leave you with a long song, and it's going to be a bit dark and ominous because it's Halloween tomorrow, and I'm making my Halloween plans tonight. So we're going to play a track by Daughters. It's called Satan in the Wait, and I'll see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Cut